Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So last week we found Jesus in the synagogue of his hometown in Nazareth. We were able to read that the people were uh, not only challenged but were absolutely furious uh, with Jesus. Um, They chase him to the edge of the town and are ready to throw him off the side of a cliff. Um, And in between that and uh, our passage this morning, Jesus has been healing people and continuing to preach in other synagogues. Yet here we find him on the edge of the Lake of Galilee. And he challenges people again, but in a very different way and with very different uh, results. We find him ready to preach again um, in the power of the Spirit and to to challenge all who will be willing to listen to him. And as I say, the results are are very different. In verse 1, we read that he was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd were pressing in on him um, to hear the word. And Jesus gets into a boat so that more people can uh, see him, and he needs to be pulled out a little bit further so that even more people can see him. They're starting to gather, and the challenge this time is not so much with his words, but, but with what he does and what they are able to see with their eyes and the power that he walks in. This time we find Jesus inserting himself into the, the everyday lives of those that are around him. Um, especially so the, the fishermen who are, as we read, cleaning their nets. And this time his, his pulpit is a boat um, uh, rather than in the synagogue. You know. But here's Jesus inserting himself into what is going on around that lake and using that as an opportunity to draw people to him and to preach the, the amazing kingdom of God. You know, like I said a few weeks ago, we have a, a tendency as human beings to, to separate the, uh, the, the, the sacred and the, and the secular, where we, we, we like to separate those things off, that there are things that, that, are, um, that are for God and there are things that we do that, that are not for God. And the thing is, there are maybe sometimes that we will spend a lot of time focused in on Jesus, and then there's other times where we, where we don't. But the thing is, God has made absolutely everything, and uh, with that, has dominion over everything, and therefore should be central to everything in our life, that we shouldn't be doing this, this division of things that we, in our mind, class as sacred and secular. And we find Jesus really challenging uh, this idea that it's not just about uh, going to the synagogue or, I suppose, in our context, it's not just about going to to church to to find Jesus, 
that, that, that Jesus is everywhere, just waiting to break into uh, our everyday lives. He's interested in being part, not just part, but central uh, to our lives. And he wants to, and he does infiltrate um, if we just open our eyes to see every single day. Um, he wishes to do that. And just as he does with these fishermen. We don't really know whether the fishermen were initially listening to Jesus, whether the crowd are there and the fishermen are getting on busy with their work. But certainly Jesus recognizes them and engages them in conversation. So we've no idea whether that is the case or not. But we need to make sure that we don't separate our lives off into those kind of chunks. And we recognize that Jesus uh, can be found uh, everywhere, that we don't become content with giving Jesus that hour and a half uh, on a Sunday uh, in Stonewall. And that's the only place that we'll, we'll be able to find Jesus. Jesus is everywhere. God is everywhere and shouldn't be separated off even in a place that is set apart uh, to be sacred. This passage really does show us how we should respond to Jesus. And we recognize that it requires us to be willing to accept that Jesus wants to be central in our lives. It's incredibly important that we start from, from that position. It might be that we start by allowing Jesus into um, our family and our friends, that Jesus becomes central um, to who we are as a, as a family or a group of friends and in within that family dynamic. Or it might be that we allow Jesus into the hobbies that we have, that, that we recognize that Jesus is interested in the things that, that we are interested in too, that we don't separate those two things off. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky that I, I get the opportunity to, to be a, a chaplain for a football team. You know, something that, that I enjoy watching, and I get this opportunity to, to blend the two things together. It's amazing. We won yesterday. <laughs> Sorry to anyone that is watching from Lark Hall, but, but it's, it's amazing that we get the opportunities to allow Jesus into our, our hobbies, the things that, that we're interested in. It might be that we, we're allowing Jesus into the work that we do. Now, that might be paid work or it might be work that we do as a volunteer, but we're allowing Jesus to be central uh, to everything that we're doing, to inspire us uh, in our work, to strengthen us when we need it. You know, none of those things should be separated off from God, and we have this hour and a half uh, on a Sunday that, we, that we're focused in on. You know, us coming to worship, like I said last week, is incredibly important that we are gathering um, as part of a, a community and a fellowship that, that we would recognize that we were created for relationship with God and, and with one another. And that when we gather for worship on a Sunday, that it's an opportunity for us to be inspired 
and to be to be challenged to go back out into the world and to live for Jesus. We need to be inspired through our worship that we might be able to carry Jesus um, for the other six days in the week. And it's interesting because Peter, in his very specific challenge, it, it amazes me as I read it. You know, Jesus calls him to go out and do something very specific. We read in verse 4 that when he had finished speaking, so Jesus has clearly finished his, his sermon, he turns to speak to Simon, Simon Peter. And he says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Go back out into your boat, Peter. Go and do some work. Now, I can imagine that Peter is probably exhausted. He's been out all night. And not only exhausted, but probably, as we like to say here, absolutely raging. Because he's caught absolutely nothing. So you can imagine this request from Jesus. Go back out into your boat. Go and catch some fish, Peter. Really, Jesus? Really? I've been out all night. I've been out all night. He's cleaning his nets. He's probably done. He's exhausted. In this state of disbelief that Jesus is challenging him to go out, uh, back out onto the water, to go and catch fish that, to him, aren't there. He's an experienced fisherman from a, a family of fishermen. If there were any fish out there, Peter and his friends would have caught them that night. But here's verse 5 in full. For Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. Somehow Peter senses something in Jesus' command, in his voice, as he's maybe been listening to the, the sermon that's been going on, the, the, the power of the Spirit that's coursing through Jesus as he speaks to the, the crowd. He maybe senses something. That even in his exhausted state, he senses the power of Jesus. He says, well, if, it's, if you say so, if it's your will, then I will go down and let the nets and he goes out and he does it. And we read on in verses 6 and 7. That when they'd done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. So from catching nothing all night, this catch is so massive that these boats are starting to sink. It's quite a quite an amazing thing that they were out all night and couldn't find any fish. They go out just a little bit and now these boats are starting to sink. Jesus has blessed them with so many fish through Simon Peter's obedience to the call. Jesus saying, go and do as I say and you'll see the amazing works of the kingdom of God in your midst. The rest of the, the passage 
uh, has this amazing call uh, on Simon Peter's life. Because we read that, that Simon Peter falls down at Jesus' knees and says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were, uh, were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And then Jesus says to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. In that moment of blessing from, from Jesus, Peter is so convicted of his unworthiness to respond to a call of Jesus. Jesus tells him, do not be afraid. Because you and your partners, your friends, are going to go out and fish for people. This what you've seen with these fish, you're going to see again. But instead of it being fish, it's going to be with people. And we might bring to mind the, the amazing uh, conversion on Pentecost where thousands turned to Jesus in that moment. Amazing. But the thing is, what does this call mean for us today? And what can we learn for our own lives? You know, I've titled this sermon, The Call is placed. And while this is a specific call on Peter's life, um, God continues to call us to this very day that it may well look very different to the call that Peter had on his life, but we are all called and our primary calling is to be disciples of Jesus and to make other disciples, or as I, I like to call it, devoted followers of Jesus. And we have this wonderful step-by-step -step, um, throughout our passage. Um, well, certainly a step-by-step -step that I see uh, as I go through the passage that helps us to understand this and to pull out the, the important things. So in verse 1, we read that the, the people crowding around Jesus um, and listening to him as he preaches the word. So ultimately... God's call comes from his word. That's the primary call. We're aware that God can call people through, through visions and, and dreams. But those kind of things can come up against skepticism from those who don't believe. However, the one thing that, that can never really be challenged the one thing that, that doesn't change is God's Word. It never changes. And when we allow the, the Holy Spirit to inspire us as we are wrestling and reading the text, then we have the ultimate source of God's wisdom to us. You know, for me, when I'm reading the Bible or spending time studying the the text and reading around the, 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 the sermon and, and, and biblical uh, commentaries, or when I hear someone preaching um, from the Word of God, it really helps me to, to realize that the, the text is alive, that the Bible isn't, a, as some would maybe have it, a, a collection of, of dead documents that, that have been put together in a nice way with some nice nice words in there. It's far more than that. It's an alive document where the Holy Spirit continues to inspire us 
and speak to us as we read through the text. It's very much an alive word of God. The second thing that we can take from our passage is that God's call is determined. It is a determined call. It doesn't give up. It continues to push through to you. In verses 2 and 3, we read that Jesus is preaching and the crowd is getting bigger and bigger. And rather than let the opportunity to reach as many people uh, as he can, he gets in the boat and gets pushed out a little bit further so more people can see and hear him, that he doesn't get surrounded to the point where others are going to have to go away, never having heard or been able to engage with it. It allowed for more people to hear that glorious good news of the kingdom of God and salvation. And God's call on our lives is just as determined as that. It, it never goes away. Believe me. When I was called to ordained ministry in the, the Church of Scotland, I put it off for a few years. Um, I just wasn't sure what it, what it meant. What would it mean for myself? What would it mean for, um, at that time, my future wife? <laughs> what was it going to look like? All over time it was tested and along with so many other people as we, as we prayed and, and, and spent time in the, in the Bible and other people speaking into my situation, encouraging me to, to, to apply. Um, I eventually felt, well, maybe I can get people off my back if I, if I just apply and the Church of Scotland say no, then I can say, well, at least I tried. And, well, I'm standing here so you know that they didn't say no and, and they said yes. But it was that kind of not really being sure what it was going to be and I would put it off. I was quite comfortable where I was. Um, I'm not sure I wanted to be taken out of my comfort zone. Um, certainly, as human beings, we, we don't like to... Some people say they like change and they like to be challenged, but I don't think that's true. I think that we can put up with change that we like, but changes that we maybe struggle with, we, we don't like that at all. And we certainly do like when we're in our comfort zone. But I put it off for, for a couple of years. And that's obviously my own personal experience of being called into an ordained ministry. But we are all called by Jesus to go and to live for him and to serve him. Uh, and his people. And that's for every single one of us. That's not just unique to one or two people. That is for everyone. We're all called to go and do that. That we're called to be devoted followers of his. And with that, to go and make disciples and baptize in his name. And the thing is, some of the ways that we will do that will look very different because we are all created very differently. We have unique God-given gifts and, and passions, the things that God is calling us to, might be slightly different. But all, all of it is to his glory. You know, I've said before that it's a, it's a wonderful thing when, when people step into the thing that they are called to. Um, it's great to see people um, stepping into that. Um, and I hope that that's what you're doing now. I hope that you feel that sense of uh, of, of peace 
uh, as you as you are stepping into whatever it is that God is calling you to, that, that you're able to feel as if God is close to you as you are serving him and others. But you might also find yourself in a place where, not unlike me, you are maybe pushing back a little. There might be a little bit of resistance there, not quite sure if you are the right person. It might be that you maybe don't think that you're good enough to do it, or maybe don't feel that you're equipped enough. So there might be a bit of resistance uh, to stepping into that call. But remember what Jesus says to Peter, where he says, do not be afraid. You know, God equips us for the work that he calls us to. You know, just like Peter, we might be on our knees feeling that we are unworthy of such a call on our life. And while it may well be true that we are unworthy of the, 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 the high calling that God has put on our life, it is through Jesus, our faith in Jesus, that we are qualified to be able to go and do these things. It is through our faith in Jesus that our call is qualified. But another reason for us resisting God's call in our life is that it can be quite demanding. It can be quite demanding. It might require us to move firmly away from our comfort zone. For example, you might get called to stand up in front of people every Sunday morning and speak to them for half an hour. It might not necessarily be your comfort zone, but God equips us and strengthens us to be able to do the things that we struggle with. He never gives up on us. God's call is a determined one because he kept chipping away at me. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about as God chips away at us. And Peter's told to go back out into the boat when he would have been tired, absolutely exhausted. He'd been out on the boat all night, caught nothing. And Jesus tells him to go back out into the boat. So he's probably confused tired but Jesus is saying I know that you're tired I know that you'll be frustrated I know that your patience is wearing thin but trust me trust me go out and I'm sure you will catch some fish and the call can be demanding because we are tired but Jesus is saying trust me we might find ourselves exhausted. We may feel that we've been, we've been serving and serving and serving and we, we're not seeing what we, we had hoped we might see. We might be ready to give up. But Jesus is saying, trust me. Trust me. God equips us for our call. And I love that in our passage, it's not just Simon Peter that gets wrapped up in this. Because there are others in, in the other boats that get dragged into it. That they too are now part of what is going on. That it's not just one person. That when God calls, he is able to call in more within what he is doing. And I love that, that, that this is being spread through 
Simon Peter's obedience to Jesus' call. You know, the boats are so full that they're about to sink. And, you know, God promises us that we will be blessed when we are fulfilling the call that he's placed on our life. We will be blessed through our service to him and to others. And I'm not talking about material goods. I'm aware that there are many who maybe preach about receiving amazing material and and earthly things uh, from God. But that's not quite how it works, is it? That's not how it works. But we are truly blessed when we step into our calling. And it usually comes in the sense of of understanding our, our purpose or a sense of peace, joy, when we are carrying out the thing that God is calling us to. There's a, a really great thinker and an author. Um, I may have shared this with you before, but um, called Simon Sinek. And he speaks of, of knowing your why, that it's the, the most important thing that, that we can achieve in life, that we would understand our why. That, that anyone can be taught to do anything. They might not necessarily be very good at it, but they can be taught how to do anything. But when we fully understand our why, the thing that really fires us up, that, that passion, the thing that we were made to do and the reason why we're here, that that is the most important thing that we can do in life. And while Simon his writing is not specifically Christian. Um, it's not in opposition to faith. Um, and it's very, very, um, very, very challenging and, and, and wonderful. It's now become a, 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 an international bestseller, knowing your why. But I love how he's been able to take this idea that is so deeply rooted in the idea of God's call on our life that we would receive this peace and purpose and joy and understand God's love for us. He's able to take that, that message that is deeply rooted in the Scriptures and take it out into the, the, the mainstream. And more and more people are, are not only reading this stuff, but taking it on board. And I'm kind of wondering whether people are being prepared by God, that they're just ready to be harvested in as they start to understand more about what it means to be called by God. Because we're able to receive these blessings that, that money can't buy. You know, purpose, joy, love, you know, a great understanding of God's love for us as we carry out the call to be his hands and his feet out in the world. But the thing is, God's call is a demanding one. It demands all of our, our being. Um, there's a hymn that says that, that, that we are, it demands my all. And that's the thing, it's not just a small part, it's, it's central to who we are. But God promises to bless and prosper those who respond to his call. You know, Jesus isn't interested in playing just a, a bit part in our life. He isn't just interested from afar, He wants to be central to our entire lives. 
Remember that last part of the passage where Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, you know, don't be afraid. From now on, you will no longer be a fisherman, but you'll be a fisher of people. You know, you'll be able to go out and fulfill your call as my disciple, to go and spread the good news of the, the kingdom. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to something different, but it's okay because I'll be there with you as you go to do it. You know, hundreds of people stood on that shore as they listened to Jesus' preaching. We don't know how many of them were, were transformed as they heard Jesus' amazing preaching. Most of them probably just walked away and their lives were unchanged. But not Peter. Not Peter. You know, every single one of us has a ministry, which just means working and serving God. We're all called to something, and only we know what that is this morning. The questions we have to wrestle with are, will we allow Jesus into every aspect of our life? That he would not just become something that we reserve for that hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but he would be involved in our entire life? Do we recognize that Jesus wants to be, wants to be central to who we are and what we do? Because the thing is, the call has been placed. And I guess the question is, are we willing to answer? Shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your, your call is a determined one. We thank you that it's a powerful one. And we thank you that as unworthy as we are, you qualify that call through our faith in you. Lord, it can be difficult to respond to your call for so many different reasons. It might be that we're tired. Our patience is being stretched. It might be that we don't feel that we have the, the skills. So would you help us to, to hear and to, to understand that phrase, do not be afraid. that we would experience your closeness and that by your Spirit we would be inspired and strengthened to go and carry out that call. To be devoted followers of our Lord Jesus and to go and to make more devoted followers. And Lord, we're aware that that will look different for each of us. So we also pray that your call would be clear. That you would speak to us from your word. And that in our times of prayer and, and speaking with others, that connection that we have within our church community, that we would be encouraged to pursue that, that call. 
Lord, we thank you again for all that you do for us. And we commit again that we would have you central to who we are and to what we do. And Lord Jesus, it's in your precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen.